This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to the Christian Crusaders Internet and Radio Ministry. We admire people for their accomplishments and abilities that are far beyond what we see in ourselves. We may even consider them heroes. But our opinions are often distorted by a worldview of greatness. Today, let's learn what Jesus considers great in the kingdom of God. Today, Jesus is going to teach us how to be great. I hope you'll stay with us. We begin our worship in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God of hosts, who spoke to us in ancient times through your law and prophets and who visited us in Jesus Christ, come now and make your presence known through song and prayer and sermon. Remind us of our salvation, grant mercy for our sin, and renew your spirit within us, that we may rightly praise you and serve you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. to 
Our reading for today is taken from the ninth chapter of Mark, beginning at verse 30. Jesus and his disciples went on from there and passed through Galilee. He didn't want anyone to know it, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him, and three days after being killed, he will rise again. But they didn't understand what Jesus was saying, and they were afraid to ask him. Then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, for on the way they had argued with one another, Who was the greatest? He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it among them, and taking it in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. One heart, one spirit, one voice to praise you. We are the body of Christ. One goal, one vision. To see exalted, we are the body of Christ. And to this we give our lives to see you glorified. One heart, one spirit. One voice to praise you, we are the body of Christ. One heart, one spirit, one voice to praise you, we are the body of Christ. One To see exalted, we are the body of Christ, and to this we give our lives to see you glorified. One heart, one spirit. One voice to praise you, we are the body of Christ, we are the body of Christ. Dear friends, so when it comes to basketball, who's greater, Michael Jordan or LeBron James? As human beings, we seem to be fascinated by the subject of greatness. Many strive for it in their lives. Many of us enjoy discussing greatness in our conversations with others. For instance, we talk of greatness in the world of sports. I recently heard two announcers at a baseball game discussing who is the greatest baseball player of all time and, and how this particular rookie that they were watching was destined for greatness. Historians talk of 
great statesmen, great presidents. Most recently, with the death of Senator John McCain, we hear him described as a great American hero. In the field of business, who's the greatest entrepreneurs or great companies to work for? You can find them on the Internet. Jim Collins wrote a book that was a bestseller for companies, Good to Great. In entertainment, we argue over who are the greatest actors and actresses or movies or greatest band of all time. And we love to talk about what's greatest. Greatness has been defined as something or someone who is heads above the rest, superior in their area or field. And today we find Jesus giving his take on the subject of greatness in this story for today. Jesus and the disciples are walking down the road to Capernaum. It's important to keep in mind that Jesus had already begun telling the disciples that he would be suffering and dying in Jerusalem and rising again. And, uh, of course, they didn't get it the first time around. Shortly after that, Jesus was transfigured on that mountain before Peter, James, and John. And they heard the voice of God speaking to them about Jesus, saying, This is my son. Listen to him. Well, now they're on the road again, and they're headed to Capernaum in Galilee, and Jesus is once again telling them about what's going to happen to him later on in Jerusalem. He said, The Son of Man, which was his favorite title for himself, will be betrayed, killed, and will rise again. Well, they didn't understand, Scripture tells us, and they were afraid to ask him. Why do you suppose that is? Maybe because they had seen Peter get chewed out the last time he spoke up, questioning these words of Jesus. Or besides, there are some things you just really don't want to know about. They sound painful. Ignorance can be bliss, we think to ourselves. They were afraid to ask. You know, sometimes we'll say that uh, when we talk to someone in a conversation. Uh, I'm afraid to ask this, but... Uh, meaning I don't really want to pursue this subject. They wanted him to be the Messiah King that they wanted him to be. Royalty, powerful, headed towards taking over Israel as king, and they were now afraid that perhaps they were wrong about that. We soon learn in the next part of the story that they did not really listen to Jesus or take him seriously as God had told them on the mountaintop. After his prediction about suffering and death and resurrection, Jesus was walking out in front of them on the road. They were kind of lagging behind, but he hears them going back and forth about something, discussing something, and the conversation was getting more and more heated. When they got to their destination, Jesus asked, By the way, what were you talking about back on the road? And they were silent. Can't you picture it? Red-faced, embarrassed, looking down at the floor like kids caught red-handed at doing something wrong. They knew that Jesus didn't like this kind of talk. You see, they had been arguing amongst themselves over who's the greatest disciple. Who's the best one? Who's the one destined for 
great leadership? Who will be the top dog under Jesus when he comes into power with his new administration? You see, their idea of greatness had attached to it power and position and stardom and status. When Jesus didn't get a response, he he already knew what they'd been talking about. He sat down, signaling to them that this is a teaching moment. When they all got settled in, he looked at them and said, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. (laughs) Now they had to have thought, What? That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. That's a totally upside-down way of thinking. But before we get too hard on them, we might, if we're honest, deep inside feel the same way as they did. Last is first? I like being first in line. Whether it's at a fast food counter or a church dinner, I like getting first dibs or being first in opportunities, first in terms of status and recognition. I like being the first one off the parking ramp after a ball game and beating the crowd out. But Jesus says, last is first when you follow me. involves taking on an unselfish attitude, putting me aside. That's something we all have an inner battle with. It's congenital, a disease we've all had since the time of Adam and Eve. Selfishness and pride still works within. We're wired for it. We don't like not being first or the center of all things. The great composer-conductor Leonard Bernstein was once asked in an interview, what's the most difficult instrument to play? He responded with his quick wit, second fiddle. I can get plenty of first violinists, but to find one who plays second violin with as much enthusiasm or second French horn or second flute, now that's a problem. And yet if no one plays second, we have no harmony. See, we many of us tend to love the limelight. I'm a bit that way myself. Love to get a step up on everybody else. I mean, look at uh, how people line up on Thursday night before that Black Friday shopping to get first shot at the bargains. Someone butts in ahead of us, we get stoked, we get mad about it. Fights even break out. I was here first. And by the way, what's this servant business they had to have been wondering? And maybe you are too. A servant sounds so unglamorous. A servant back then was someone who waited on others, waited tables. That doesn't sound like a great thing to do with one's life, does it? It doesn't sound fulfilling. Servanthood is a tough concept to come to terms with. And a lookout for number one, take care of yourself, world mindset. Because we wonder automatically, well, then who's going to look out for me? It's different to be a giver instead of a getter. Or to be a forgetter instead of a scorekeeper. Or to be compassionate instead of competitive. To give your all for the sake of someone else. What makes it so hard to serve others anyway? 
well, there's schedules to keep, limited personal energy, and probably the biggest reason of all, others. People are sometimes just hard to like and love. Ungrateful at times. I have to remind myself that on the night Jesus was arrested, which wound up with his being crucified, Jesus actually washed the feet of Judas, who he knew had betrayed him. Jesus knew that. As our king, he walked the talk that he gives to his subjects about serving. He doesn't call us to anything that he hasn't already done. He will later on give them his mission statement. The Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And that's exactly what he did, didn't he? He emptied himself for you and me. Poured himself out that we might have a new, reconciled, forgiven life with God. He gave everything at the cross for our welfare. He's our servant king. Years ago, I came across a story that touched my heart, and I think it speaks to this subject well. A couple years ago, at the Special Olympics, the nine finalists in the 100-yard dash prepared for the start of the race. When the gun went off, these contestants with various disabilities headed down the track toward the finish line. Partway down the track, one of the competitors fell. He tried to get up, but fell again. He tried again, but without success. And finally, he just lay on the track and began to sob. One by one, the other eight contestants heard him crying and stopped. They all headed back toward their fallen competitor. When they got there, they helped him up, and all nine contestants held hands, walked down the track, and crossed the finish line together. The crowd couldn't believe it. They rose to their feet and gave a 15-minute standing ovation. These young people may have been disabled physically, but they were very advanced spiritually. They knew that they were called to serve others and not ourselves. And that's what Jesus is talking about when he says being a servant of all is what leads to greatness. And finally, he gets very specific about who is to be served making us perhaps even a little more uncomfortable. We'd prefer to choose who gets our service, wouldn't we? But Jesus addresses that with a flesh and bone object lesson. After he had said these things, Scripture says, about serving, he took a little child and put it among them. Where that child came from, we don't know. Perhaps living in the house they were visiting. But then he took the child in his arms, kind of hugging him as if he's presenting the child to them. The child is facing out with Jesus hugging from the back, and he said, Whoever welcomes one such child welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. Interesting. Here's a concrete application. This servanthood thing and the first and last uh, conversation, uh, the rubber hits the road and how we take care of one another, how we show hospitality and how welcoming we are. He says, welcome children, take care of them. That's a mark of belonging to me. That's greatness, Jesus style. Now, they would have heard this as a very radical direction from Jesus because in ancient culture, children, you see, had no status status. 
and those with no status were seen as of being of little importance. What's Jesus really saying here? He's not just talking about kids. He's saying membership in Christ's community means giving status, taking care of those who have no status, uh, serving them, taking care of them. It's, it's all too easy to serve those who can serve you back or do something for you in return. I'm reminded of a verse in the book of James where James is warning that early church about favoring the rich and powerful over others who were poor and in need. That they had to be careful to not do that. So there's an attitude check here for you and me. How hospitable are we to people who are unlike us and can do nothing in return for us and may not even show gratitude? Jesus said, now that's greatness in my book, putting other people first, being a servant of all, even to those who can't return the favor, the helpless. Now, why should I take this life lesson on greatness seriously? Why should I listen to Jesus on this one? I want you to listen again to that statement that I just covered with you. Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. Truly, this is the Son of God who's talking. I'm reminded of Matthew 25 when Jesus describes his return as king at the end saying, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty. You gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. This verse also reminds me of the last words of that musical Les Miserables. To love another person is to see the face of God. I also take this life lesson from Jesus seriously because the one who stated it was resurrected by his heavenly Father on Easter, affirming that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that he knows what he's talking about when it comes to God and living life. It was like God speaking again for us to hear, This is my son, now listen to him. I listen to this lesson on greatness because I know the one who told me this loves me. He died on a cross for me, and he wants what's best for me. He was in the beginning with his father and the maker of life, and he knew what makes life work best. So there's something to be gained in living the life of a humble servant, according to Jesus. Abundant life, a great life, as God intended for you. I love this little thing that Mother Teresa one time wrote, We all long for heaven where God is, but we have it in our power to be in heaven with him right now, to be happy with him at this very moment. Being happy with him now means loving as he loves, helping as he helps, giving as he gives, serving as he serves, rescuing as he rescues, being with him for all the 24 hours and touching him in his distressing disguise. May you have the great life Jesus envisioned for you, trusting him for salvation and humbly serving others as he served us. 
May you one day have him say to you, as you see him face to face, well done, good and faithful servant. bow our heads and pray. Lord, thank you for our servant King, Jesus Christ, who suffered, died, and rose again to save us from sin and death. Now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, build our faith and obedience to live as unselfish servants towards one another and toward the world around us. May Jesus be glorified in us. Amen. Now, as you go on your way, may Christ go with you. May he go before you to show you the way, behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over, and within you to give you his peace. Amen. You have been worshiping with the internet and radio ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We pray today's message has encouraged you to live the life of a humble servant, serving others out of your love for Jesus Christ. Christian Crusaders' first broadcast was aired 82 years ago on September 6, 1936. Live from Trinity Lutheran Church in Waterloo, Iowa on WMT Radio. Now broadcasting on 25 stations in 11 states across the nation. Shortwave on the internet and satellite as well as Imani Radio in Kenya, South Africa. 
We remain a nonprofit ministry supported entirely by the gifts of our listening audience. We encourage you as a listener to consider a gift to continue the ministry of proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to our world. Letters and gifts may be sent to Christian Crusaders, Post Office Box 522, Cedar Falls, Iowa 50613 or on our website at christiancrusaders.org. All gifts are tax-deductible. We praise God for your gifts and prayers. We encourage you to check out our webpage for more information about the ministry or to hear today's program again. Once again, our web address is christiancrusaders.org. We are happy you chose to worship with us today, and we invite you to join us again next Sunday on this station. Conducting our service was the Reverend Steve Kramer, Senior Pastor of Shepherd of the Valley Lutheran Church in Afton, Minnesota, and speaker on Christian Crusaders, now celebrating 82 years of continuous Sunday worship broadcasting.